Our reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Reading from the English Standard Version. And the word says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. And then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people. The word of God. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us this morning um, as we continue our series, BIOS. And uh, this story is a really interesting story. And this story makes me realize that parenting must be pretty hard. Now, I'm not a parent. I have the pleasure of working with their youth, and so I feel like some moments I'm like a pseudo-parent sometimes, sometimes, but man, parenting must be hard. Parenting must be hard. Can you imagine looking for your lost child? You are stressed, filled with anxiety, sweat is breaking because you're thinking of all the worst possible outcomes, and when you find them, the nerve to say, why were you looking for me? <laughs> now, that story is interesting to me because I know for a fact that in my home, that response would never slide. Like, if I had the boldness to somehow say, like, I was lost, and say, like, why were you looking for me? I think I'd have to be lost again real quick. <laughs> I can only imagine. And I know this because there was a time when I was young that I got lost pretty badly. When I was five, that's me when I was five years old, um, when I was five, we had this thing, a uh, general conference that SDAs have across the world every five years. And in year 2000, it was in Toronto, back in Canada. And so, being from Ottawa, we kind of traveled out there. We were really excited. I was five years old, and uh, I was super pumped about this, experiencing all these people. I'll never forget this. We were in this booth area, kind of like there's booths, these sale booths and advertising stuff. And I came across Loma Linda Dentistry. And I was like, this is really exciting. I saw they were doing like mouth screening. And so they were looking at people's mouths. They had this like tech that they were showing on the TV what people's mouths look like. Right before I went up, I realized like I had just eaten like this like new vegan power bar that was like Oreo flavored something. So I was pretty excited. But I sat in that seat and I was like, oh yeah, I just ate this thing, but I didn't really cross my mind. And as I sat down, they brought my mouth up in the screen in front of everyone. Freshly chewed, it was still in my teeth. And people, when the screen came on, started gasping. Like they saw something out of the movie Alien or something. Like they just started this thing. And that feeling made me feel so scared. I was five years old. And so I got up and I started running. 
I just ran through the boots, pushing through everyone, running through. And I ended up, we're in the CN Tower, which is a monument in Canada. And we're there, and next thing I know, I'm by myself in this convention hall. Around nobody, pretty scared. So I'm walking around, I find this escalator. There's some people there, but I'm just walking up and down this escalator, going up and down the same escalator, five-year-old, terrified. And then this lady finds me, she's like, are you lost? And I was super scared, I start crying. I'm like, yes, I'm so lost. She walks me to security, and I'm with security, and uh, they started calling for my mom's name. I remember drawing like a little picture as I waited. And maybe 30 minutes later, my mom came up the stairs. And I know that I could not have said something like, why were you looking at me? Because her face wasn't one of like, oh, I've been looking for you. It was like, you're in trouble. <laughs> I don't know why I had to face the price for being lost. But that's what happened, and I know the feeling of being lost. But the thing about being truly lost is how it affects two parties, right? When you're lost, it affects the person who's lost and also the people who care about the person who's lost. But I think the story is a little bit different when you hear about the boy Jesus, and it makes me wonder, if the missing person knows where they are, are they lost? And what I'm learning from this story is I need to be more aware of my expectations and suppositions that I put on others. The story in this version tell us that, tells us that Jesus' parents supposed he was in the group. They supposed he was in the group, and there's a risk about supposing without interaction. Our community cannot be built off of expectations without interacting with one another. And we must learn that, to be aware of the things that we suppose of each other because the things that we suppose can leave people behind. They suppose Jesus was in the group, so they kept moving, but Jesus was back here. The things we suppose can leave people behind. And the parents find Jesus concerned, filled with worry, feeling betrayed because what they supposed of him turned out not to be a reality. And Jesus' answer is simple. Seems cold, but I think it was one out of confidence and assuredness in who he was. And he says, did you not know that I must be in God's house? And reading this part of the story hits me like a freight train because what I have to remind myself constantly is that we can be in God's house without being in the group. We can be in God's house without meeting the expectations of others. They assumed that Jesus was in the group, but he was in God's house. He wasn't moving with them, but he was still in God's house. The expectations of humans and the suppositions of people are not the voice of God. Where would we be if we always did the things that we were supposed to do? Because when we look at history, the models that have been left for us, for us to imitate or just follow, have not always been ones of love, of taking care of our neighbors, and even focusing on what matters the most to us. So we must constantly open our eyes and our hearts so that we do not become slaves to suppositions, simply because they exist. There's a final thing that gets me about this story, and it's that God's presence is not determined by what others believe we should be doing. And I'm so thankful that God is so much bigger than these things that people have expected of me my whole life. So what do we do? We need to learn to release our expectations and embrace each other. To practice listening and coming closer so that we can always be moving together, leaving no one behind, no matter what their age, ethnicity, or other identifications are. So, we're gonna do that today. We're gonna practice listening. We're gonna practice what we've been doing these past weeks, embracing one another and listening to the stories of our people. 
And so right now, I'd like to call up Pastor Zion and three of our youth, Luke, Sigourney, and Sid. Let's come up them up. so much for joining us up here. Uh, I just want you, the three of you, we can start maybe from closest to all the way to Sigourney. Um, tell everybody your names and maybe how long you've been part of this community. All right, so my name is Luke and I've been a part of this community for about three years, so. Uh, my name is Sid and I don't want to do the math, <laughs> but I've been here since I was like two or three. Uh, my name is Sigourney, and I have been here my entire life of 15 years. Wow, let's give all three of them a round of applause once again. <laughs> Luke, Sid, Sigourney. Um, you are all high schoolers, you are part of our youth group, part of our church. And uh, the question I want to start off by asking you three is what has been the biggest lesson you've learned so far, especially in your high school years, in the past, in this little time that you've been in high school? Okay, so the biggest lesson I learned. Um, just in the whole high school experience is probably the, the importance of working hard, um, the importance of really gaining the ability to work hard because not everyone can do it. Um, that's why like, we look up to like Kobe Bryant for working, for working hard uh, all his career, right? Which kind of shows you how scarce working hard really is and how admirable it is, so. I guess for me, uh, just kind of learning that, you know, yourself is first. Everyone tells you, like, oh, you need to take care of others. You need to make sure that others are okay. You need to be kind to others. But it really takes a hit on you if you take care of others before yourself. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that was my biggest thing. Uh, I agree with that. It's hard to love others if you can't love yourself as well. One of the lessons that I've learned is that there is so much expectations that get placed on you and you need to learn to, yes, accept them, but also know that if you disappoint them, you'll live. It might be a bit hard, but if you please yourself, that's also good. So on top of everything that you guys have experienced, that you guys have learned, um, what do you guys feel as if people your age need during high school? Um, what did I say? <laughs> um, kind of, I think social skills are really important. Like, adults, your parents would tell you, like, school's not about making friends, it's not about the other people, but I think it's like a big thing you can learn from school is like learning how to work with people. Like when your teacher puts you in a project with other people, uh, you have to work with them. Or maybe you have a teacher you don't like, but you still have to do your work. And yes, learning the math is important, but I think one of the biggest things you can take away from school is learning to work with different people, even if you might not like them, or even if you do like them and you get distracted. I'd say it's, 
When you start in elementary school and all the way to middle school, it feels like you're walking on like this really big bridge and everybody's holding hands and having fun. And then when you get to high school, it gets smaller and smaller until you're walking a tightrope of having to balance your social life, your school life, and you have to learn, sometimes you have to let go, otherwise everybody's gonna fall down. Mm. So I think, um, well, everybody needs this, but especially in high school, but they really need someone to hold them accountable that cares about them. Um, I know not everybody has that. I'm lucky to have that. I'm lucky to have people around me that care about me enough to actually call me out on stuff that I don't do well. And they help me improve. And I think that there's a big misconception about criticism, which criticism and, you know, building people, well, making people better, right? They go kind of hand in hand. And I know some people, um, they like to coddle, in a sense. Um, they like to coddle people to make them either feel better about themselves or they just will let them keep doing whatever they're doing wrong because they're too scared to say anything. Um, and I really feel like we're called to make people better and making people better is tough. And Every high schooler needs someone to make them better. Mm. So. Yeah, it's very important to have a safe community that can help nurture you in all the different ways that it's needed. And that's why I'm so grateful to have the church community because I've had so many people who have provided that for me. Mm. Yeah, I feel like getting, like, criticized, not criticized, but like Luke was saying, like, now because you know you have people that actually care about you and are telling you this because they want you to be better and because they want to see you thrive but when you get to when you get past high school and you become an adult then they're just like oh i don't want you to suck at your job so i think that's another reason why getting that at this age is so important because you're getting it out of love and compassion yeah that's super important because being held accountable with no relationship does just feel like criticism that's just like plain but when we hold each other accountable out of love and because we care about each other uh we can become so much more and really build off those things um our last question um is what do you feel or what has been spirituality or relationship with god meant for you during these years for me it's been it's been tough, um, especially going through COVID and feeling like you're so alone. It's really hard not to have doubts. And everybody goes on their own journey of faith. And I think it can be difficult because not everyone has the same. It's not like it's a template that everybody follows. It's like going through a river on a boat and you have no clue where the river goes. And, and what I've started to come to the conclusion is, is that the greatest form of worship I can give is living and being happy. And like every time that I laugh is my way of praying in mm. an essence. And I've had a lot of people around me that just love me so much. So that makes it very easy to do. Yeah. Oh, um, I think I've had like a really rocky relationship with God and like church and spirituality. Um, when I was younger, I was super religious and I would just pray all the time. But as I got older, um, I kind of was like, there's, I don't need to do anything. 
And then in, during COVID, I was like, I don't really believe that, like, I just don't see God in my life. And maybe he does exist, but not for me. And he, I felt like he wasn't doing anything in my life. Um, but I went through like a lot of things and I had, I was told like so many people were praying for me during this really rough time in my life. And there were so many things that happened that I felt like were kind of a sign that God is there for me, even though it might not be in the way for other people. Cause I like kind of expected that whole, oh, I saw Jesus in my dreams, but I saw God in like other ways with support from people, with resources. And like, I'm not fully there. Like I can't fully say like that I have a good relationship with God. I still have like a really long way to go. But I think just it's a journey and it's still going and I think it will go on forever. And I think that's how it is for everyone. So I think, well, Spirituality, uh, what it's meant to me, it's meant a lot. Um, during COVID, uh, I'm sure we all have our own thing, our own struggle. Uh, I had that too, but looking back, um, it's really good to see what God actually has done for me and how he used that time to you know, build me into who I am, like right now. And it's easy to look back and see God, but in the moment, it's hard to, it's hard to um, like be with God in those moments mm-hmm. where you can't feel him or you don't think you can feel him. You don't think he's working. But I mean, looking back in retrospect, right, it's so easy. Mm. But it's always important to always remember that he's, he's still there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Something that's so beautiful that all of you have shared and all touched on is, is the constant journey. And I think we have failed ourselves if we ever think that the journey's over. We have to be aware of the constant moving and especially in the high school years, even middle school years where things are changing and you're meeting different people and the way you feel about things is changing and everything. It's hard to try and like catch God in the way that we, we are told about God. But Something that's beautiful in all of your stories is that God still shows up no matter what's changing our life. I think the, the beautiful thing about God is in those times where maybe we don't feel God, in those times where we really feel God, or in the times where we don't even want anything to do with God, is that God is still present and God still is there even when we don't know. And I think learning to identify that or name that in a way that makes sense to us, not just because pastor said this or not because of the model that was left for me, but naming, naming to identify just in the laughs, right? Or in any way that makes sense to you is I think the most beautiful thing we can do. Um, let's give them a round of applause once again. Thank you so much, Sid, Luke, Saborni for sharing your stories. Since I've been here, I think it's been such a blessing to witness and see um, this sermon series because it's, I just, I love the heart. I love the intentionality of what it is and pouring into each and every single one of you guys' stories and essentially just saying, 
that you matter. And um, I love this, this story um, here that we see in Luke chapter 2, verses 46 through 49. I want to invite you guys to lean into to my story as I open up to you guys where my heart is and just simply wanting to share with you guys. So as we see here within the, the text here, it says that, 46 says that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 47 says, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I want to show this image here. Um, if you can pull it up. This, these are my beloved parents. This is a picture of me in 2021 when I finished and graduated high school. Um, on this side, this side is my mom, my lovely mom. And then on this side is my, my dad. This is my father. Um, my father used to sing in a Southern Gospel Quartet with his brothers called Keepers of the Faith Quartet Ministry. Um, but before I was even born, music and ministry had been something that had been ingrained and instilled in my blood. And so I've been running with that my entire life and been told that I'm supposed to do this and that. But if there's anything I'd want to make known is that my dad has literally put me on to everything that I like. Has literally, I, I by no means dismiss that. He kind of helped, you know, really start me onto the passions and things that I really like and enjoy, right? Like video games, sports, playing basketball, um, but most importantly, music. And so during middle school, you know, I was... I was, I was a middle schooler doing nothing but playing video games at home. You know, at school during, uh, during my academy years and whatnot, I was involved playing basketball and doing sports and being social um, at school. But I remember so vividly my dad one night literally just barged into my room as I was playing 2K. He literally just opened the door and was like, son, I'm going to buy you a keyboard and you're going to learn it. You're going to learn how to play it. And from then on, if you, if you know how I do worship now and, 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 and am involved, you guys would know, you know, that's, that's a story of in and of itself. But that kind of was my origin story of how literally I started to begin playing music. But in my dad buying that keyboard for me, he supposed that I was going to be learning this kind of style of music that he's used to singing, right? The Southern Gospel Quartet style, Gator Vocal Band, uh, Harold's, like all these quartet stuff, you know, that me as a teenager, I'm not really inclined towards learning that kind of style, right? And so in learning that I was going to be playing piano and having to learn it, my ear was geared towards learning more stuff. So like worship and like Hillsong, right? Oceans at the time, we all know that song. Um, but family... If there's anything that, you know, I learned at the time, it was learning that if I was going to be using my talents, if I was going to be serving at the time into my community, it would be something that would be able to connect with high schoolers or teenagers and kids at the time. And so over time, my father had to come to terms with me using my talents, but in a capacity that was different from what he supposed it would be. And I want to say all this not to dismiss that my father put me on, you know, because my father literally put me onto this track because truthfully, he helped me see something that I couldn't even see for myself, my gift and passion for music. And you see, I think that's the beauty of what parenting and mentoring does is because you guys help our younger ones see things that they cannot see for themselves. All of you guys have poured into our young ones, your guys' families, your guys' children. And I think at the heart of this story, what is shown here is the intentionality of Mary and Joseph in raising Jesus allowed for him to be in God's house in the way that God wanted him to be. 
And I think this goes to say that when we are intentional of how we raise and pour into our younger ones, we end up making room for them and making room for God to work in them. And so I ask you these two questions. Have you been intentional? Have you made room in your house for God? One of my favorite movies is Thor Ragnarok, the third film in the Marvel trilogy for Thor. I love it. Um, Asgard is always being invaded. Asgard is literally, you know, in this movie, right, it's the same plot. It's being overrun. Asgard's about to get destroyed. But I loved how Odin, Thor's father, said that Asgard is not a place it's a people. And I think this same kind of mindset is something that we can even use today because I would argue that God's house is not a place. It's a people. And so in other words, family, it's you. It's you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's you. Family, the space of which you work are literally outlets for people to experience what God's house actually looks like. And so I ask you this same question again. Have you been intentional have you made for have you made room for people to see what the father's house god's house actually looks like and so in conclusion um, as the praise team comes up being away from home and embarking on this journey college being here at la sierra has really taught me to be intentional and genuine in every outlet that i have in making connections networking and all of that and being grounded in that has allowed me to make some of the most meaningful friendships and relationships, and what I've learned is that part of being intentional calls for us to embrace who we are and what we've been called to. And all of us have gifts and talents, but before those gifts and talents, you are your own self. And there will be spaces, there will be people that only call for you to only have you there because of your talents, because of your gifts. But before those, family, you are you. You are your own self. And so what I wanna tell you is that basically, I would step in and say into that kind of framework and say that the best thing you have to offer is yourself. And so in whatever community or space that is for you, um, here at La Sierra University Church in this community, the best thing you have to offer here at this church and in this space is you. And that comes with you embracing who you are and what you've been called to. And so I'd encourage you to lean into this, being intentional and making room for God's house to be seen by others and that you fully embrace who you are and what you've been called to. Because family, if I could say anything and end with this, I would say that that is enough.